You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the APC Podcast. Alex Patakis, Ben Foldy, and Zach Rapport here with you from the Craig Newmark School of Journalism in New York City. Amber is on the other side of the glass helping to make things go. I love using that term ever since Zach uh, filled in. Behind the glass. Just like how much pride you took, uh, or not even pride, but just like how much you love just throwing out that term. uh, I'm a professional. Just a very hacky radio thing. But here we are, all sitting, awaiting... That galvanizing moment that I think we should just begin to accept is never going to happen for this Packers season. They lose to the Vikings. They now need, as Aaron Rodgers laid out so eloquently in his post-game press conference, to just, you know, win the remaining five games and then also get a lot of help. That's all. That's all we need to watch them play uh, well into January, some postseason football. So we're in a dark place. We've got plenty to discuss. We'll talk about uh, later on in the show what next offseason may look like, not necessarily from a who they could potentially hire as a head coaching perspective, but how that's even going to shake out because there is kind of a weird power structure that Mike McCarthy is deeply entrenched in. Uh, we're going to get to our notable nuggets here in a second uh, from that game, um, the Vikings loss, which was just, again, just so infuriating for so many reasons. I watched it in Wisconsin with a bunch of Packers fans, and it was really nice because I was really pumped uh, to be able to watch a game with these people again. And I almost like I'm kid you not. There was a point where I was called out for almost falling asleep. Like it was just there was zero fun in that game, save for a couple of plays. It was abysmal. You guys didn't go out, did you? No, I was. Nope. Sunday night. Yeah, night games, right? Uh, also, is Sunday that the first night. time that you guys heard the song? I don't the blame you. It's the like, first time I heard the whole song. Yes. Oh, okay. I feel like the streams that I keep watching either come in after the song or, or like you you're mean just not paying attention. The Sunday night. Song? Yeah, the Sunday night football theme because there was a group text where you guys were like, "Wow, that new one is so awful." And like, we're in week that thirteen. Was the first time like, I, really, I mean, like, I I, I'm like was, we've had thirteen weeks of this awfulness. I feel like that was the first time I really. I must, I must have watched it week one and and not noticed or come to it late. But like, this is the first week where I really like took it in. I was yeah. just like, man, this is somehow worse than last year. Like, I had the same reaction like, when I first heard it. Like, I missed last yeah, year. Yeah, I was like, of. last year's was cheesy and bad, and this is just bad. Like, just, I, just I, bad. I miss being able to make fun of like, oh, yeah, Sunday exactly. night, yeah, and yeah. just like, and now it's now I don't even know how like to mock the new one. Yeah, just I don't know. What's like the main thing? The main thing is game on, right? Oh, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. Little, yeah. yeah. It's, but then the worst part chops. is that they teased, they teased us throughout the game by using, like, Husker Do as bumper music and whatnot. And I was just like, man, that'd be way better than this bullshit. So yeah. why don't they just redo this? Like, does, does Carrie Underwood have a standing contract, like a five-year deal with the NFL or with NBC, I guess? Probably. It's probably with NBC. Right? Did you guys see Bad Bunny last night, though? No. Oh, so Bad Bunny was like the musical guest. You know how ESPN keeps doing these like weird musical halftime numbers? Yeah. Like most of the time are pretty ill-advised. 
But Bad Bunny seemed like remarkably with it. Did like, J Lo make an appearance? No, that's it was the just, only it was way I became like conscious of who Bad Bunny is. Was somebody was like, "You have to watch this music video." But I did. I was curious. I was J-Lo. like, if I were more plugged into like retrograde like NFL Twitter, like, are there a bunch of like old white people being like, "Why is this guy mumbling at me in Spanish on the Monday Night Football?" And I'm like, I don't even care or no. I'm sure you can find that. I, I'm sure it's there. <laughs> that's what I notice about football <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, Interesting. We're going to set the over-under on this Packers podcast uh, for J-Lo mentions at 1.5. Okay. That's the the line, 1.5. I could mention it again, but it seems kind of insincere. It'd probably be. Yeah. It's got to be an authentic galvanizing moment It's got to come up organically. I'll see what I can do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) an authentic galvanizing moment. When do we stop asking Rodgers that question? I watch Aaron Rodgers' post-game press. What if, what, what if, Everyone says galvanizing moment, but but no one says what they're galvanizing for or towards. It could be not galvanizing <laughs> to make the playoffs, but galvanizing to, I don't know, do something else. Go to, like, go to Costco. Or I don't know. Well, there was a really good uh, Twitter thread that started during the game where I believe, was it Will Blackman? Jermaine White. Oh, my Will God. Blackman. Will Blackman. Yeah. I'm so glad you sent us that. That was so funny. Will Blackman started tweeting that when the last time the Packers had an away losing streak, Mike McCarthy or somebody involved in the organization apparently started booking them progressively worse hotels. And all these other, like, Packers greats from those, like, Charles Woodson chimed in, James Jones... Yeah, he um, tagged them, and they were like yeah. really quick to and they were, jump they in were and agree. on it. They were <laughs> they were really into it. Like Charles Woodson's like, I swear to God, one of my rooms had a bullet hole in it. <laughs> and like, <laughs> one of, yeah, one of them at some point was like like after like a four game skid, they had us at a motel six. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it is. It, I, it's uh. weird that I somehow escaped noticing until this broadcast that they've been losing all these games on the road, and like this. It's funny how, like, you know, Narrative Street kind of comes to life very suddenly, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, the Packers can't win. I mean, to be fair, the Vikings' home field advantage might be real. Like, I was pissed off at watching that game that in Minnesota. Horn, that man. horn is unbearable. The noise is really loud. I also tweeted a video of a old man in a flannel shirt, like, <laughs> strangling a young, dumb, like, raved-out Packers fan, which was kind of amazing. Yeah, I think Minnesota has like a sizable home field advantage in that in that stadium. Young, dumb, raved out Packers fan is my AIM screen name, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I mean, but I that game actually brought my hatred back for the Vikings. I had kind of like taken some Viking hatred off for a while, and I still love Stefan Diggs, but anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I was going back through that Twitter thread, and uh, it was... Um... <laughs> there's a Johnny Jolly like there's so much good stuff John in Jolly's in there like I don't think Johnny Jolly tweeted but they referenced him Charles Woodson jumped in he said I think my room was outside on the roof <laughs> then Will Blackman said Johnny Jolly's room was still waiting on forensics to arrive <laughs> and then Brady Papinga like this is so fun like you're just reminiscing on all these old Packers I had no idea until now that he did that to us I remember my room in Jacksonville smelled like full-blown mold I assumed it was the nicest hotel Jacksonville had to offer. <laughs> Didn't realize McCarthy was actually trying to penalize us. Man, so much Shots good stuff. fired at Jacksonville. And I also loved um, somebody, like a fan, replied something about like them like doing him dirty by cutting him. And he was like, well, they did go on to win the Super Bowl a year later. So I guess you can't blame them. So at least he's in uh, good spirits and has a nice sense of humor. Anyway, uh, all right. The Vikings loss. Uh, why don't we get into it? We'll start with some notable nuggets. Zach, what stood out to you? What's still lingering with you from this uh, this game? We've talked about uh, 
Carrie Underwood and Motel 6. So you might as well talk football now. Uh, Mike Daniels is my notable nugget, or rather the lack thereof, because, you know, in a, in a year where I think that a lot of fans were wondering, where's Mike Daniels? He wasn't showing up in the same way that I think they wanted him to. Um, his absence was felt. It was felt, I think, across the defense in this game. I think someone like Kyler Fackrell, who we all anointed Kyler Sackrell after after a few good games, disappeared. There was really no interior pass rush at all. I think um, Kenny Clark got home once, but Kirk Cousins was was largely untouched. Could do whatever he wanted. No pressure. Did they? I think they had two sacks maybe in the game, and those were, I think, covered sacks. I didn't actually watch the game again, but um, Mike Daniels, he's good. That's true. He's good, and uh, not having him in there is bad. Well, and Nick Perry, too. Not convinced on that one, actually. <laughs> well, I, just, I don't think it helped to not have Nick Perry. Okay. Um, Nick Perry had very little, uh, I guess, I, I, very few seasons. Like, yeah, effectiveness when healthy, and very few seasons where he actually can stay healthy. Uh, I mean, he managed to get a huge payday, which was a good job. But it's <laughs> a good um, job by you. It's a great job by him. Not necessarily great for the health of the franchise. Speaking of outside linebackers, though, the one guy who has been able to stay healthy this year has been Clay Matthews, and that's going to be my notable nugget because there was a few times during that game, uh, especially in the second half, on kind of critical downs, that it seemed like the Vikings, a familiar opponent who have seen him on film a lot, were smart enough to realize that if you run at Clay Matthews, you will be rewarded, basically. Um, we've known, like, uh, it's not breaking any news, like the lack of discipline or anything that he displays. It's probably not breaking any news that he doesn't really possess any true outside linebacker skills other than try hard. Um, but this is a guy, like, and I don't like to, like, smear character, but, like, as NFL drug testing has progressed... He has gotten just significantly worse, and all the try-hard stuff that he does like doesn't work anymore. And to be ineffective, but also seemingly uncoachable to the point where like your main responsibility is oftentimes contained, and you just completely lose it. Um, the writing—I mean, like he's a guy like McCarthy that's just like we could pretty much guarantee he's not going to be there next year. Mm, can I add one more criticism onto that pile? Sure. Uh, those pistachio commercials are terrible. Yeah. And also, <laughs> like, I get that maybe it's the brand, but it looks like he's wearing a Seahawks it jersey. It does, yeah. That it kind of threw green. me at first. So there's, yeah. a, there's a documentary coming out about the pistachio industry that I'm really excited about. I think it's called Pistachio Wars. Really? Anyway. Into it. It's going to—you know who else is a big—is a, is a, a, a kind of the face of big pistachio? Richard Sherman, right? Uh, Stephen Colbert. Really? Big yeah. pistachio. Yeah. That's interesting. And when I, I say big it. pistachio, I'm not kidding. Like it's like this documentary, go look up the Kickstarter. I'm gonna I'm gonna Well wait, so what is this documentary? <laughs> like is this gonna make me like feel guilty for eating pistachios? Definitely. Or like if I have a different brand of pistachio, it's okay. No. I just had some this like today. It I mean was, like, I the like first thing and I it, ate you today. know what's actually more of a bummer is that pomegranates too, which are my personal favorite thing in the world. And you're killing my whole shopping list here, man. Yeah. Like your way of life just eroding before my eyes. I don't know. Pistachio yeah. Wars, Killing California for a Snack Food. That's the name of this documentary. Damn. Look yeah. it up. Anyway, Clay Matthews, not good uh, anymore. Yeah. Well, and then I, you know, <laughs> I was like, I didn't even realize this is the last year of his deal and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Like, I, I was thinking, like, oh man, is, is Goot going to have to make some tough Future decisions? Oakland Raider. Um, he's yeah, not going right. to have to make Clay any Matthews. tough decisions. It's an easy decision, but I think it also leads to the fact that, like, 
while Kyler Fackrell had a good year, uh, and while Gutekunst may be entrenched in an offseason where there's going to be a new coach coming in and who knows what that's going to do, he's going to have to completely overhaul arguably the second most important position on a football team, and that's edge rush. It's a good thing he has two first-round draft picks. And it is. And I think that's a ver- like very, very likely that one or multiple uh, early draft picks are going to be used on that because uh, I guess I'm just glad to see Clay go. Like, he did... He did a lot of good things, man, especially early, and he was an integral part of that Super Bowl run and made a huge play in the Super Bowl. But, like, did, there was a replay in that game where they showed a reverse angle of, like, a, like a close-up of the run, and I forget, I forget what the run was, and I forget the down and distance, and I didn't go back and watch it today. Analysis. But, yes, this is not great. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure someone else noticed. He just completely lost contain, and the camera, like, just caught him. Like, his hair flings, like, all the way back. And you can see him like looking over his shoulder at the ball carrier and basically being like, oh, shit, (laughs) that's probably got something to do with me just being a wild, crazy person that just loves to leave his feet. Anyway, that was long, but goodbye, Clay. It's been fun. Uh, Ben, notable nugget. Maybe something. Is it pistachio related? No, we can get deeper into the voice. I I guess this isn't even that notable of a nugget, but. uh... Equinemius St. Brown had a reasonably good day. I, I was forced into a weird situation where I had to pick him up on my fantasy team. It's the only fantasy mention I'll ever make on this yeah, show. Yeah, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Fantasy Alley. Because you're going to make me talk about how uh, MVS only put up 0. 0.7 points and basically kept my season alive. So EQ looking pretty good. MVS, it's almost like, have teams figured him out or what's the, what's the deal there? Nah, I, th- I don't know. I mean, I... It was not a great game for the Packers offense in general outside of like the opening scripted looks. Evergreen statement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this it's a year. weird season. Yeah, you could argue that uh, ESB's injury in that game actually played a huge role because one of the things oh, that yeah, he, came um, out, didn't he? Yep. he came out for a little bit and he wasn't on the field on the fourth and one where they ran it to Aaron Jones. And, and it was Aaron Rodgers mentioned yeah. that all week uh, ESB was used as the seal guy because like they bring the motion mm. in and he's basically blocking on the edge. And Adams was never put in that spot because, like, you know, Devontae Adams probably doesn't need to be used as a blocker, but he was forced into action on that play that he hadn't practiced all week uh, because of ESB's injury. So he wasn't so he wasn't in there on the block, eh? No, because he had a, was an elbow? Yeah, you know, you know I think who, it was an elbow. You know who's from the block? Jenny. Oh, come on, that's not organic. <laughs> that was, like, organic enough. I guess, yeah. I will we'll take, take it. it. I, I was, like, saving it. it in my back pocket. <laughs> Vegas paying out the over. Hits. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but they <laughs> ESP was also used in a lot of those uh, wrinkle plays, so. Yeah, he's a wrinkly dude for, for a 20-year-old. Some of those, um, <laughs> some of those maybe hashtag false wrinkles, like that one screenplay that was a whole lot of motion and a whole lot of fakes for basically so, seven yards right, to Aaron so, Jones. So let's transition from nugs into wrinkles. and Yeah, let's get into McCarthy and some decisions. Because McCarthy basically, uh, you know, the, media, the, the narrative now is that McCarthy has brought out the wrinkles and is opening up the playbook and doing all these things, and I'm inclined to agree with that. And it I, doesn't yeah. seem to matter. One iota. Like, the team does not seem on board. I, I, I actually read a good article today by Doug Farrar about Freddie Kitchens and how Freddie Kitchens has turned the, the Browns' offense around. Same record as the Packers. Yeah. And, well, so that, that kind of does raise this question is, like, maybe a midseason change could do something. I actually don't think it could because I don't think—I think the Packers are a 
at a different point in their team trajectory. Like they're a more mature team in a weird way. Like, you know, the Packers are always young, but like the people that they need to, that they would need to buy into the system are older than they are on the, on the Browns. Right. But, you know, there is, I, I, I'm increasingly convinced that the disconnect isn't, necessarily the wrinkles in the playbook and and all i mean maybe there's some better integrating of concepts and execution and so on but it does seem to be a the team does not seem bought into this team at all yeah you jumped ahead of me i wanted to set this up with an email that we got in for it's okay from ted uh who emails us at the apc podcast at gmail.com which is also where you any of you can find us he says hey guys i heard on the radio today that some of the players on offense have indicated amongst themselves uh, that they want the team to run a similar scheme as the chiefs and the rams they seem tired of mccarthy's predictable scheme and aaron Rodgers has expressed similar frustrations and i think ben a lot of what you were saying is that actually M- mccarthy and the offensive staff have put wrinkles in mm-hmm. There, there are wrinkles aplenty at this point, and they're just not working. There's poor execution. Maybe, maybe the play design is you know it's it's wrinkly, but it's not it's not good. <laughs> it's not innovative. Right. Uh, you know, I don't know. It all to me, it all comes down. It does all come down to coaching, though. And maybe there's something too, like like you said, Ben. Guys not being bought in. Like again, it has to come organically. You know, it can't just be like, all right, guys. I was watching some Rams film. I saw this. We're gonna try it. What do you think? I mean, and have you gonna be like, have okay. you ever seen the Chiefs of the Rams not look like they're enjoying themselves? No, like not this year. It's, <laughs> I it's mean, so weird though. I mean, so McCarthy did recently in a in a press conference. He was asked about like, did you did you watch that the game the Chiefs and the Rams game? Um, and he said yes. And so like he gave an answer that made that made me think. He does see what's going on. He does watch those games, and then he does think about ways to employ things like that in his offense. So it it but it's just stale. Like he, right. nobody cares. Like I don't really want to watch Mike McCarthy coach the Packers anymore. I can't imagine if I were a Packer, I would want Mike McCarthy to be coaching the Packers yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like it, I just kind of want to hit fast forward on the season and hope that nobody sustains like a career altering injury. I mean, if it's true, uh, as as Ted alludes to in his email, if it is true that players are complaining that they want the offense a certain way. If the coach is then like, where's the disconnect? The coach is then presenting them with ways to, you know, modify the offense to make it more like those teams, like a Chiefs or a Rams. I mean, winning is everything, right? Like, yes. if, if they were winning, nobody would have any complaints, and uh, with or without wrinkles. Like, if they, if there weren't wrinkles, it'd be like, oh, hey, uh, you know, we're into this. We like we do what we do because we're the Packers and we're winning, and you know, it works. We're like and, our offense starched and ironed. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's it's not. It's a results-oriented business, and despite the fact that the results were there for a long, long time with Mike McCarthy, they are no longer there. There is no clear fix in sight, and it's kind of all she wrote. To that end, uh, a reporter did ask Aaron Rodgers at some point in the past few weeks, like, you look like you're not having as much fun out there, and he basically said, losing is not fun. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it isn't. Um, It's not fun for us either, so stop. No, I'm just kidding. Cut it out. I, I'm of the belief that the disconnect is just that he's officially lost Aaron. Like that's that uh, there's, there's like nothing I can say like yeah. that to prove that. 
Aaron Rodgers is never going to say that. Yeah. He's just going to continue to say things in press conferences that are basically shots at his head coach. Yeah. Uh, but there's something to that. Like, he's always looked like he's had fun. Yes, he hasn't been healthy. Yes, they've been losing. But there is just a distinct difference to the point, like, where it's not fun, like you said, to watch them because they're not even, like, enjoying being out there. So yeah. then this— Everything he does, like, that's good— and he celebrates, it feels like he's pressing and he's so relieved that he threw a touchdown pass to Devontae Adams because, like, it feels like he has to overcome his own coach at this point. And I don't blame him if that is where the disconnect is. Yeah. So let's talk about our next topic then. What, okay. is, what is our next topic? The next coach and how that process is going to shake out. So, yeah, one thing I think we referenced on the show last week, uh, one of the shows last week, uh, it being Goot's first hire. And then I remember, like, we all left this room, and we were like, wait a second. <laughs> Is that even true? Um, and I, I, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that McCarthy's not going to be here because I think if they don't make the playoffs, he's not in. We argued that even if he went to the Super Bowl and lost, there's still a chance he could I be I had gone. a text message this weekend where somebody said, uh, somebody was like, you're, you're full of it. If they win the Super Bowl, they're, not, they're keeping McCarthy. And I was like, meh. But it doesn't matter because they're not winning the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. they're not. It would take, like, miracle upon miracle, like, the, for them to win out and get the help they need and then beat anybody good in the playoffs. Like, yeah. So when the dust settles, right, like, the season ends, Black Monday, as they call it, comes, we learn that the Packers and Mike McCarthy have mutually parted ways, uh, or the uh, the hit that Arif Hassan has ordered out on uh, Mike McCarthy <laughs> is is executed and he mysteriously goes missing. We've arranged for him to be replaced. Yeah, we. I don't, like... I don't think we even truly know where, like, who starts the coaching search. And I think this is pretty important, and I think a lot of people are going to start to write about this and talk about this when we get there. But to me, I'm there because McCarthy's gone. Yeah. Um, is this Mark Murphy's hire, or does the power structure that was reshuffled coming into this season, a season that's basically a prove-it year for your coach, and the first year where your young GM, who's been in the organization, probably had some influence, now has roster control um like what like, who's who's doing the interviewing if there's a candidate that murphy likes and a candidate that gutekunst likes who's gonna win that out on that because all i've ever heard is when owners get involved in football decisions and the head coach the next head coach of this team in rogers twilight years is as big of a football decision as you could ever make um that sounds like something you wouldn't want mark murphy making Right. That's how you end up with 10 year contracts for John Gruden. That's how you end up with splashes that give very, very little results. So what do you guys think? like? Do we I guess I mean, we don't I think know. There is, the there answer, is a right? difference in kind between between Murphy and an owner. And sure. Know, like Murphy has a lot more people to answer to than your average NFL owner. He has a board. He has shareholders. Take them for what they're worth. But like he doesn't actually have shareholders. But the general but the to. idea of the franchise. I mean, like Mark, Mark Murphy. There's a bunch of instances, you know, the NFL had a lot of trouble getting people to sell their team when they should. Mark Murphy doesn't have that. Mark yeah. Murphy doesn't have the support of other owners. Mark Murphy is not part of a club that will protect its own. Um, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing can happen to Mark Murphy that would scare owners that it could happen to them, other owners. So even in the worst case scenario, I don't see anything you know, even remotely close to a 10 million, 10 year, um, 
Uh, what's his face? Gruden, oh, Gruden. Well, yeah, Gruden no, that was just disaster. I, was, I was just using like I don't a, even an extreme see, example. But. I mean, you know, I don't see any like what would that I, anyway. But I just want to say, like, you know, we've we've harped on this a lot. I don't need to do it again. But the Packers ownership structure is like, you know, I went on Thursday when I was asked what I'm thankful for. That is what I said. So the uh, like, let's not let's not over exaggerate that. Well, I uh, first want to shout out Jim Widener, who sent us. We 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 asked for um, for listener mailbag. Yes. listener input. I want to get to more of these later. By yeah. the way, yeah. at the APC Pod on Twitter, uh, Jim is at Jim Widener fifty one, and he he says, uh, "Why isn't Mark Murphy's job in jeopardy?" Um, went on to uh, say a bunch of other stuff, but I really latched onto that. It really made me think about. Uh, Alex, as you said, Gutekunst and Murphy and the power structure and the hiring of the next coach, because I think a lot of fans are taking for granted this idea that, oh, this offseason is going to be a big deal for Brian Gutekunst. It's going to be his first coaching hire. And we need to remind you that as the power structure currently stands, it is not Brian Gutekunst's call to hire and fire the coach. And that is weird and possibly bad. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would I would hope that maybe like when McCarthy is gone and like a lot of people who do report to him are gone that there would be another reshuffle. Like I guess I'm still well, this confused. Is, this is what we talked about last year, though, right? Like when when the Gutekunst, not even last year, when Gutekunst was named, we went over all this, and we basically I I remember coming to the conclusion that McCarthy was kind of playing out the string but was not the guy moving forward and that Gutekunst would probably have a chance to make his own pick. And I, I still think that's probably the case. Whether or not that's like an advisory role where he oversees the process, or not oversees the process, but kind of drives the process and then, you know, gets Mark Murphy to sign off on it. Like, that's not that different than another franchise, though, right? Like, that's not different than a GM that is trusted. Right. You know, going to the owner and being like, this is our guy. Two theories that I, that I want to posit, and the first one is that you know, McCarthy might have been uneasy with the whole switching, like looking for a new GM, like what's his job security like? Maybe he doesn't like Brian, you know, what, whatever it is, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, but he is a respected, tenured, Super Bowl winning coach. Highly successful. Highly successful. Highly successful. Um, and so it, it is possible that the, that, that the board and Murphy were sort of giving him a little deference and saying, you know, we will put you at the same level as the GM in terms of the power structure for this one year. The other theory, and I have to give credit to to Evan Tex Western, our corporate overlord, uh, for this one. He wonders if 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 Murphy was sort of trying to basically protect Gutekunst from having to make an unpopular decision when he eventually wanted to change coaches. Now, obviously, at this point in the season, things having played out as they as they did, it's clearly not an unpopular decision. Right. But But in many other years, it could have been. That's an interesting idea because it also kind of looks like, in a weird way, the Packers, if you look at the totality of Gutekunst's moves, it's almost like they were stocking up for a rebuild that starts next year. Right. Right? Like the extensions were made when they were. Certain players haven't been extended. Next year is like kind of years year zero, right? Of of the true Gutekunst era. Sure. Or they, I guess this is yeah, and and so like two first round picks, uh, Matthews coming off the books, um, 
Perry is relatively easy to cut next year. Rogers already under contract. Yeah, Rogers is under contract. Adams is on a team friendly extension. Which, by the way, everyone, everyone out there, not everyone, plenty of people out there on Twitter complaining about Rogers' contract. That Fine. contract is going to look great. Even just next season, maybe yeah. it won't. Fine, I, like whatever. It's just, it's not what you want Gutekunst to have to deal with in year zero. So, like if if looked at, at as a whole, like Deshaun Kaiser, for example, right? Like you can look this season and be like, yeah, we'd be better off if we had. Why am I blanking? Randall. Yeah, Demarius. Than, oh, than if we had yeah. Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, look, we, we we have nobody at safety. Kentrell Bryce went down, and that was a mess. And you know, Raven Green didn't make any appearances that I saw in the game. No, and he Josh was Jones out. is He's ruled out. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. they willingly let go of guys that I think they knew could help them. And exactly. the Clinton Dix trade was big. Yeah, they got Ibrahim Campbell. Yeah, and back like they're there. stocking up for next year, and can that's we, fine. Sorry, but can we quickly shout out Randall though for intercepting a pass? Yeah, and it was handing great. it to Hugh Jackson. It was beautiful. That was Don't the apologize for pettiest, that moment of his career. NFL player there is, and I love it. That was incredible. That's, so, that's the reason highlights exist. So that I think moment. that is a fair take that like next year is year zero for the real Gutekunst era to begin yes. with a clean slate, without Mike McCarthy, without some of like the biggest cap drains of the late Ted Thompson era. You know, clean slate. Can I counter that thought, though? Yeah. No. It would be a little weird. <laughs> it would be a little weird if... Like, if, if Murphy is protecting Gutekunst from making that tough decision, I guess the reason I would be, I would believe that less, is that Gutekunst also, like, got that job in large part because McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers went and lobbied for him to prevent Russ Ball from getting that job. Did they lobby for him or against Ball? Uh, I guess it was more against Ball. Yeah. But that was also confusing. Is like, part of this whole, like, weird power structure thing was necessitated by the fact that Murphy wanted to hire someone that the head coach and quarterback didn't want to, like to be in that position. Well, that was the last time they agreed on anything. So maybe that wasn't. I mean, look, I think Gutekunst was good. But like, so yeah. actually, I, this is what I really want to say, because I think this relates to the coaching concept and this relates to what you just brought up. J-Lo. Are we at the point <laughs> where Aaron Rodgers is starting to be bigger than he should be in the management of this team? Are we in, like, the 2005-2006 Brett Favre era? Like, are we getting into that late stage? Uh, He's too it's, big. It's, it's possible, but the thing is, though, like... And I realize that sounds like a, like a pointless hot take. Like, I don't want to no, sound no, no, like no. Skip Bayless. I... <laughs> I guess what I think you're about making it that, sound like it's an inevitability, and there's guys like Breeze who like he's not hyper involved in the at management. All. Of he the doesn't team. even mind giving up snaps to Taysom no, exactly. Hill for Christ's sake. Like I mean, I, I but that's think, not. I don't think it's an inevitability. I okay. think there's something to Rogers being that. I don't think like, Rogers would Packers be that are. though if it was if like if they weren't so dependent on him to be like the smart guy in the room and be like. If there wasn't so much ineptitude surrounding him, I don't think there would ever be a situation where he would have that much influence. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. Like, but I do think like we might be getting into this point where, you know, like because last week we were talking about like how do you hire a guy who gets along with Rogers, and it's like, well, I have you don't, an answer you for don't, that. You don't ask that question with Drew Brees. I mean, granted, Drew Brees has been with Sean Payton forever, but like, yeah, but I also like, I mean. I, th- I think they've made some mistakes on, like, making Rodgers happy, though. And those were That's a lot of I tough mean. calls. And I'm not saying you should operate to make him happy, but, like, okay, he shouldn't have, say, or he shouldn't be able to make his own head coaching hire, right? I, th- I think fire that's his fucking quarterbacks case. coach that yeah. he clearly is close with well, and hire that. a guy who you specifically tell 
is not there to coach Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I agree that's with that. That's like some I agree with world that 100%. class bullshit. And that's on McCarthy. I'm not blaming. That's not on Rodgers being uncoachable. I'm not blaming I'm, I'm not, Rodgers Sorry, for I know anything. I sound like I'm like. But I'm just saying, like, we might be getting to this point where taking Rodgers too much into account will lead to worse decisions yes. than making the best decision for the franchise. I don't think Gutekunst is in danger of that, but I worry that, you know, like, just because the way we're talking, like we, right. we spent the last two weeks being like, well, how do you find an OC who comes in and can just mesh with Rodgers? And like, do you just have to find somebody who can just focus on that and not worry about coaching the rest of the team? And like, like I think a fair amount of that is fine and you should take that into account. But when you start making decisions solely for Aaron Rodgers' benefit, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't want to be in the 2007 situation where the team is kind of held hostage by Brett Favre. I think that's a little bit of just buying into the narrative, though, of Aaron Rodgers as a very particular kind of person when the fact fact is that (laughs) all professional athletes have egos. There's There's always an interplay between the coach and the player's ego, whether it's massaging that ego, whether it's pushing them, whether it's joking around with them, whatever. Like, that's always... At play, and I think that you're going down the the rabbit hole of this like cult of personality about Aaron Rodgers. No, I don't think I am. I think what I'm going into is a demonstrated pattern of the organization to run into a situation where it is so dependent on one player that it starts making bad decisions on the account of that player. Right. And that has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. That has to do with the organization not being able to structure itself in a way that it doesn't do that. Well, and it didn't do that in the later about five years. I think this is like, we in a, in a weird way, we should have seen this coming because we kind of all always joked about how dependent they were on Aaron Rodgers. We had a season where he got hurt and they were so clearly terrible. And now that he's also aging and not healthy and mm-hmm. not playing perfect, and people are going to go on Twitter and blame him, which is total shit, like we realize for us to for the Packers to even be at the 10 and 6, 11 and 5 level, it required Aaron to be literally the best quarterback we've ever seen. Yeah. And he's probably known this for so long. Just to get to 10 and 6. <laughs> Just to get to like what what they've been and a Super Bowl, even though then I would argue like that that era was the only time there was so much competence around him. But that's also when the Packers were way ahead of the curve. Like, I remember, I saw Justice Mosqueda uh, tweet this out, which I thought was interesting as an example. The shotgun thing. Of how quickly the league changes. Like, rewind back to when the Packers were winning a Super Bowl and following it up by winning 15 regular season games and feeling for, like, a calendar year like they were invincible. They were the t- they were the McVeighs. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were. And it just got stale and they never adjusted. And I, I feel like they progressively got to a point where Rodgers has just been forced to, to, to speak up because he knows that for them to be competitive any longer, there's going to need to be change. I will say this, though. I think all the moves that Gutekunst has made are the changes that they do need. No, like, I agree. And I would think that Rodgers would think that, too. Because he's very quick to talk about a really banged-up defense holding a team to X amount of points and how that should be enough. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why this is such a frustrating year is like the defense is good. The part that's always been missing they're is good enough. Finally there. Yeah, they're fine. They're good. And I think if they're it good. was if they were healthy, could you yeah. imagine like man. But that's always gonna be the case. Cause I I mean I this injuries thing, I'm like, I, I cannot remember a year where we weren't halfway through the season being like, Oh my god, they're so hurt. And I'm like, All right. So well, they're always hurt. Always gonna be that hurt. But they have that's some picks, and it. I think they could be deep. And if you keep drafting yeah, yeah, the right type of player, like Jair Alexander. 
who, God bless him, Oof. he got beat a couple times, but there wasn't a single time he wasn't talking shit, whether he made a play or got beat. And that was so fun. Yeah. Watching him go toe-to-toe with Diggs and Thielen, Thielen was so the fun. The Thielen screen blow-up was the best play of the Packers oh, season it, so far. Like, block, yeah. he. If that's not number one on the APC, like, best play of the season count, then I'm demanding a recount. There's so many good parts of it. It's the aggression and him doing what he does best on taking on a block. It's the ball carry being tackled by his own player's yeah. butt. It's like a butt fumble, but not. Like, we just needed the fumble, yeah. and it would be butt fumble, too. Butt tackle. Yeah, butt tackle. Yeah, butt tackle. Tackle butt. <laughs> Hashtag butt tackle. Tackle butt. All right, Brandy. Um, anyway. Do we feel better, guys? Do we feel... I feel a little better. Yeah. You got it I, out of your I, system? I'm, I, I, like, I guess I'm at the point with this season where I'm just kind of like, you know, the, the I'm a gif of a guy, like, eating popcorn and just kind of <laughs> waiting to see what happens. Like, I, I'm not... I'm not going to get emotionally invested in in hoping that they win the next five games. Right. Um, I'm not that excited to watch them play the Cardinals on Sunday, and I might not be, you know, I might do something else while I'm also watching the game. But I am excited to see what happens over the next. Like I'm, this is this is the first off season in a while that I'm like, all right, let's see. I mean, yeah. I guess last last off season I was kind of like that just because there was so much change. But this season, I I actually believe. My my new narrative that I'm telling myself to fall asleep at night is like, okay, this is the real Gudikins, like year one. This is where the rebuild starts. This is the Craig Council coming into the Brewers and like revolutionizing the bullpen kind of moment. Was that uh, really what you tell yourself when you're trying to fall no. asleep? No. <laughs> what do you tell yourself when you're trying to fall asleep? I don't talk to myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just get to some quickies as we did tease this as a mailbag show on Twitter at the APC pod. At Alex Patakis, at Ben Foldy, at Zach Rapport. Uh, how about this one? Ryan tweeted, everyone says tanking never works unless you need a quarterback. I think those people are wrong. Discuss. I don't know. Do we want them to kind of like finish the season with like five or six wins, even though they have five really winnable games left? I just think tanking is not a thing in the NFL. I guess the closest thing to tanking in the NFL is what the Raiders are doing, and that's with a 10-year coaching contract. Yeah. There's just too many moving parts and too many things, too many jobs on the line. And yeah. You already have two first round picks. You don't need a quarterback. There's probably not a quarterback worth tanking for. But also, the Packers are one of those teams that can re- be great next year and already because they are, they have, there's so much in place for them to have a quick turnaround, I would say, right? Yep. On that note, Glenn asks on Twitter, what, what's the top thing that impressed slash excited you about this Packers season so far? I mean, butt tackle. Yeah. <laughs> Jair, Jair Alexander, Alexander, maybe. Uh, I think for me, it's going to be the late round wide receiver picks, I think, are both conceivable. Like like I said, when they were drafted. You've been yeah. riding that train since day one, man. That they are legitimate wide receivers, and the cupboard is being replenished. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Brett tweeted at us. Oh, Zach, did you give yours, or do you agree with Jair? Your positive thing, sorry. I didn't mean to Agreed. Um, move on too quickly there. Brett tweeted, uh, what's the issue with not playing Tanya at tight end? I wanted to ask this because I know you want to give an answer. Uh, so my answer is that uh, <clears throat> they don't think he's that good. <laughs> like they just don't like you have Jimmy Graham with nine fingers out there on blocking plays and you're, right. you're not putting Tanya out there. Like so clearly he's not doing something to practice. And I would also uh, I will also point out that Someone asked after he made that big touchdown catch, someone asked McCarthy in a post-game press conference about Tanyan and really just sort of like they were clearly trying to uh, to escort McCarthy into giving them a headline about Robert Tanyan, and he wouldn't do it. He's someone who's quick to compliment young players when they step up and make plays, when they've been grinding at practice, when they've been 
putting in the work, and he declined to do that, which I thought was notable at the time. Not saying he thinks Robert Tanyan is bad. He obviously earned a spot on the team. But after an amazing catch like that, I would think that you would give him more accolades, and and he didn't do that. So there's something, there's a reason there, and my most overly simplistic way to to put a bow on that is that they must just not think he's ready. Um, I did think it was weird with Graham, though, like to make him active, the whole nine-finger thing. But what was his rep count? Like, was he out there much? They did play a lot of Mercedes Lewis. So why make him? I mean, I think Kendricks has been fine too. Yeah, Kendricks has done. He's been versatile. He's been this kind of H back. He's made catches. Like, I'm good with Lance Kendricks right now. I just thought having Jimmy Graham active to not use him much. And I heard Jason Wildey talk about this on ESPN Wisconsin too. And I agreed. Like, either have him be active because you feel like he could be a, a full go, or don't have him active. And they didn't activate Kumro. So that robbed us of our galvanizing moment yep. as well, even with the receivers being still uh, super injured. Uh, there was one more I wanted to get to. Oh, what is the, the worst? If you could point to one play call of McCarthy this season that's the worst, what would it be? I know what yours is. Oh, yeah. Mine is still, it's, it's not the fourth down. Yeah, so fourth and one against the Vikings. When, you just, when your offensive line is banged up, and I, I get ESB's injury might have played a role, but whatever. I, I don't know how well he would have had to block for Aaron Jones to get that first down last Sunday night. Um, to do that with a banged-up interior offensive line at just the heart of a really good Vikings defensive front yeah. is silly. But it's not as silly as running at the single best defensive player in football, Aaron Donald, uh, who happens to have Dominican Sue next to him in your own end zone out of single back. And I get that you don't have any fullbacks. You got some big body tight ends. You also have a lot of other possible plays to run. That, to me, was the single worst one. Um, Followed closely by the uh, fourth and six, no play call, wasting of a timeout. So I guess that's not a play call, but it is a decision to go out there and try to draw the team off sides. What about you guys? I think you covered everything for me. Okay. I mean, just a comedy of errors this year. Uh, the one that he took a timeout and then they took a delay of game anyway, <laughs> right after the... Like, there's too many examples yeah. of this. Uh, he just forgot how to coach. Yeah. I don't... Like, it's... Even Actually, the one, it's the, one, the one in this game where he was busy yelling at the refs instead of getting a playoff, that was not great. Oh, yeah. Well, they didn't reset the play clock. Well, yeah, but they didn't... He was but saying th- to say that su- they didn't set the ball, and then the broadcast team was like, yeah, they had, like, 26 seconds. Well, right. Like, the, the, the frustrating yeah, you should part have 40. Of, I mean, yes, they should have reset the play clock, but also the fact that he spent that time arguing yeah, exactly. when he simply could have asked for a measurement, which would have basically been a free timeout. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there were ways to get around them not resetting yeah. the play clock I mean, instead that, of just blowing up. That yeah. was the Jordy Nelson picking up his challenge. Fl- you know, without Jordy <laughs> Nelson around, you don't have anybody to do that. Can a player ask for a measurement? Oh, I guess no, but like, I just, like, I mean, it's just like, he's not no, I know. on it. Yeah. It, he he's seems, got too much to fucking do. I think he's just, like, real. I think he's pressing also and yeah. just like no they all are he's yeah a lot of I people made him. this i want of, everybody to know yeah that i do not hate or have any ill will towards mike McCarthy oh he's whatsoever. getting work in this league again yeah and a lot of people made the joke but he's he's gonna win like As eight well, games should. with the browns next year yeah. and i believe that he could be successful especially in a situation like that mm-hmm. nice young impressionable you know yeah. team. teach teach baker Sh- mayfield some some footwork yeah there you go um, okay, that'll about do it uh, for us this week. Packers-Cardinals, I guess we should mention. <laughs> Not exactly a juicy matchup. It is a home game for the, the showdown. Packers. Um, one that they are favored by a bunch of points. 14-ish um, points, which is which that's absurd. 
is crazy because they're not good, but also... Can they beat anyone by that much? I mean, I guess they beat the Bills by... I mean, it's really hard to pick the Cardinals, man. No, they of course, bad, of course. Bad but team. I'm not... No, but yeah. 14 points? Still, yeah, no. The Cardinals only are can beat the Niners, yep. weirdly. Uh, but not even like the Mullins Niners, right? Didn't they beat Beathard? Like they beat the Niners, not with their third string, but with their second string, who's clearly worse than their third string, whatever it might be. Uh, I mean, it'll be nice to get get back on track um, and just hope for other things. On track towards what? Yeah, they just hope. I mean, you know, the Vikings don't have a very easy schedule remaining. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's possible that they get the losses they need, but I don't think it's possible that they win five games. But they'll probably win the one on on Sunday. So that'll be fun. Um, okay, get at the show on Twitter at the APC Pod at the APC Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us, you can get each of us at each of our names at Alex Patakis at Ben Foldy and at Zach Rapport. Thanks to Amber for engineering the show. And thanks to you guys for listening. We'll talk next week right here on the APC Podcast. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.